Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your hosts, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for that summertime horror. I am mm. one of your hosts. My name is Brandon. I'm your other host. My name is Justin. And welcome to the show. Hot love in the summertime. <laughs> I I am too. It I'm a love hate thing with summer because I I, I, I like to. <laughs> it's the heat. Yeah. If summertime could be blue skies and like seventy degree weather, where it's just good enough. Seven even high seventies, low eighties, even eighties, yeah. low eighties, where you go outside, slight breeze. Mm-hmm. bright blue skies you can go outside you can grill you're not roasting in 100 to 115 degree temps that's horseshit yeah well and this year has been particularly brutal for us anyway it, it hasn't yeah, dropped below the 90s during the day mm-hmm. i'm like, kind of wondering what that's going to do for us uh during the winter i hope it's not too bad but we'll see right we'll see well we want to thank you guys uh for joining us a tad bit late again Life just has a way, um, but here we are, better late than never, to talk yeah. about the classic 1975 blockbuster, the first blockbuster, mm-hmm. the original summer blockbuster, Jaws. <laughs> what, uh, do you have any memories of, of Jaws, any fond, like... No, is, and you know, I and know this is sacrilege, but this might be the first time I've watched it all the way through. We're both going to have a few sacrileges uh, yeah, throughout like, the course of this show. Cause it's it's one of those same... things that I've, like, I mean, I've seen so many clips from it of, you know, greatest movies, greatest horror movies, greatest everythings. It's right. like, I've, I've, I've seen the movie, I know how it ends, but I don't yeah. know if I've seen everything in the movie until now. That's how it is with me and The Thing. That's my sacrilege. Yeah. I've never. I haven't seen, seen it either. So when I when through. I do the episode in a few months, that'll be my. <laughs> I'll first. probably have. I'll definitely. My goal is to. I'm going to watch it, and since it'll be yours, I don't have to take notes that I can pay more yeah. attention. But um, yeah, I'll definitely try to watch it a couple times just to to do a uh, to kind of do it justice because I kind of think back on a lot of these things where I have like these kind of revelations after we watch it, like what we did with Repo. Mm-hmm. Like Repo was almost kind of like a slow burn uh, for me, and I know that I I said things that I, uh, in that episode about that movie that I don't necessarily agree with today. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just it's grown on me. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> it's like even like you know with the Gravekeeper and all that kind of stuff. Like that dude. I was like I I kind of talked about how I wasn't super keen on his, on his performance, but then the more I think about it, it's like the favorite part of my movie, or my favorite yeah. part of the movie, and so yeah, it's like, great. yeah, and so it just I feel like I sh- I with like some of these battery. ones I know that huh? like <laughs> yeah battery. yeah right, and so I'm like I kind of feel like I need to make sure for some of these you know bigger bigger films that I, I, I definitely need to watch it at least once before we rec- record on it. So that way. Well, yeah, I mean like I remember hating Halloween three and now it's my second favorite one. Like it, honestly, I crapped on Hellraiser like, for the better part of a year and a half. And now it's like, I wonder if I can fit one of those puzzle cubes in my 
horror display. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because I kind of want to <laughs> buy one too. They're like I, twenty I, bucks I, on Amazon, and I went, yeah, I could do that. Not too bad. I, I've definitely thought about it. But what we're here for today is to talk about Jaws. So you know, this is seventy-five. What five years before The Shining? Give or take. Yeah, um, I thought The Shining was an eighty. I, I could be wrong, but uh, this has this has that same quality to it like like vibe like it it, you know the time even though even even if the the shining was in 1980 it definitely looks more so in line with set in like the mid 70s than it does in the 80s you know what i mean um yeah it was 80 yeah but it has it it has just this real classic feel to it um definitely of that time that I kind of um, find myself drawn to the older I get. Um, Like, don't get me wrong, my heart lies in the 80s with the slashers and all the good and bad that comes from that. But, like, some of my my favorites are, you know, pre, you know, Texas Chainsaw, Jaws. Um, You can say The Shining, even though it's 1980. It still feels like a 70s vibe you know and so i definitely kind of want to go down a rabbit hole and experience more of uh what is in that decade i guess you could say you need to watch uh body snatchers the donald sutherland one and the original i do so um before we get into the episode at hand um we didn't get a whole lot of feedback um we for our bonus episode we had kind of put feelers out there kind of put out the vibe uh to see what kind of response that we could get and Mm -hmm. so one i wanted to do a shout out to serial mom on on um the slasher app who did comment saying uh basically doing an episode on spontaneous combustion um (laughs) as uh, she said said i was terrified um i was going to burst into flames at any moment when i was a kid far too long a time for normal adolescence (laughs) and so um uh, it is very fair um and i responded saying that the idea of bursting into flames randomly is terrifying like i i get that and so uh serial mom thank you very much for the response and we did get a comment on facebook from my friend chad who I actually, oh, that was in the group, sorry. I um, th- This was in the Facebook group. I didn't actually post it to the page. Um, Chad had said, you can do something on the hor- on uh, horrors of nature, like all the animals, uh, insect-related movies like The Swarm or Night of the uh, Lepus or Tarantula. And we had actually talked about doing something along those lines, but neither of us are very well, well-versed. Like, I've seen a shitload of shark movies that I could talk about. I know you not so much. Yeah. Um, I talk about said, the birds over and over again. Right. <laughs> um, he had, so he had responded because I told him that we had talked about doing something like that. And he said, um, they're not great, so I don't blame you. You could uh, instead talk about the copycats like Orca um, <laughs> and Piranha. Which I, I wanted to bring that up because I know that Patrick had mentioned that at work, being like, yeah, talk about Orca. Boy. I'm like, we're oh, going to yeah. talk about the Orca. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we want to thank you guys for your comments, uh, you know, taking a, a few minutes out to respond. Um, it's, it's appreciated. 
Yeah. Kind of got and me we'll thinking. We'll announce like, what our actual bonus will be at the end of the episode. Yes, we will. I just wanted to give a quick shout out before because it was in my mind. I didn't want to forget. Yeah. Um, I had an idea for a bonus episode. If we could just get a little bit more feedback, I thought it'd be fun to do like a Q and A. Be like, hey, you guys have questions on stuff? Send them in, and we'll yeah. do an entire episode on that. That will be talked about at a later time. Yeah. When we get more than two comments. Um. So, Jaws. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, let's see. So Jaws is a, I'm going to bring this over here. So I don't care if I see my face, um, but I can see yours. So it's fine. Uh, Jaws is a, a 1975 American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley. I actually had that book growing up. Huh. Um, my attention span didn't let me read it all the way through at once, but I remember skimming it quite often. It's too bad you don't still have it. I wish I did. Um, in the film, a man-eating great white shark attacks uh, beachgoers at a summer resort town, prompting a police officer or police chief, Martin Brody, played by Rob uh, Schneider. It says Schneider, but it is Schneider. I thought it was yeah. Schneider. Rob Schneider is the Happy Gilmore guy. Right, right, right. You can do it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Roy Schneider. Okie dokie. I feel like a dummy now. Um, To hunt it with the help of marine biologist Richard Dreyfuss, which (laughs) is hilarious in this movie, Mm -hmm. and professional shark hunter Robert Shaw. Murray Hamilton plays the dickhead mayor, and Lorraine Gray portrays Brody's wife. The screenplay is credited to Benchley, who wrote the first drafts, which is kind of rad, and actor-writer... Carl Gottlieb, who rewrote the script uh, during prince, uh, principal photography, shot mostly on location um, in Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Jaws was the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean and resultingly had a troubled production going over budget and past schedule. The um, As the art department's mechanical sharks often malfunctioned, Spielberg decided mostly to suggest that the shark's presence, employing an ominous and minimalist theme created by composer John Williams, uh, thank you, uh, to indicate its impending appearances, Spielberg and others um, have compared this suggestive approach to that of uh, director Alfred Hitchcock. Universal Pictures gave the film what was then an exceptionally wide release, for a major studio picture um, on over 450 screens, accompanied by an extensive marketing campaign with heavy emphasis on television spots and tie-in merchandise. Jaws was the prototypical summer blockbuster regarded as a watershed moment in motion picture history, and it won several motion uh, several, and it won several awards for its music and editing. It was the highest grossing film until the release of Star Wars in 1977. Short-lived for two years, but you get your money. Both films were pivotal in establishing the modern Hollywood business model, which pursues high box office returns from action and adventure films with simple, high-concept premises. Uh, Released during the summer in thousands of theaters and advertised heavily, Jaws was followed by three sequels without the involvement of Spielberg or Benchley. And many, Which is why and, they all um, suck. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I've um, never seen any of them, obviously, because I just saw this one for the first time. But I've heard nothing but terrible things about all of the sequels. I'm half tempted to like hold off our bonus episode. Like we have an idea what we're gonna do, mm-hmm. but I'd be like, hey, I'm pretty sure in the next week 
we can find time to watch Jaws two and three. I I wouldn't push it and say four, but we could just watch those and talk about how fucking bad bad the sequels are. Be like, we talked about Jaws last week. Let's talk about the stepchild this week. Um, I don't know if uh, I want to do that to myself. I don't blame you. Um, and many imitative thrillers. In 2001, it was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the United States National Film Registry as cultural, historic, or aesthetically significant. Oh, yeah. So let me take a sip of whisk here. That was it for the production? That's um, that's just kind of the initial... The initial start. We're not. In, we haven't started talking development. That's just. That's okay. just my my Wikipedia rundowns as I do. Um, so the plot of the film. When a young woman is killed by a shark while skinny dipping near the New England tourist town of Amity Island, police chief Martin Brody wants to close the beaches, but uh, the mayor Larry Vaughn overrules him, fearing that the loss of tourist revenue will cripple the town. Ichthyologist Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfuss, um, and grizzled ship captain Quint offer to help Brody capture the killer beast, and the trio engage in an epic battle of man versus nature. And boy, yeah, I it... just watched Close Encounters like a couple weeks ago because I did a big sci-fi binge. Yeah, so you're seeing Dreyfus again. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and the the thing is too is like when I think about Richard Dreyfus. Honestly, the thing that I think about with him is what about Bob? Mm. That's that's my Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> like growing up, Third Encounters, gr- a good movie, but it's not like something that is a big part of my life. No. Jaws, it, you know, it's Richard Dreyfus, but it's not the it's not you know my like my Richard Dreyfus, I guess you could sure. say. But um, development. So Richard D. Zanuck and David Brown, producers at Universal Pictures, independently heard about Peter Benchley's novel Jaws. Brown uh, Brown came across it in the literal in the literature section of Lifestyle magazine compilation, then edited by his wife, Helen Gurley Brown. A small card written by the magazine's book editor gave a detailed description of the plot, concluded with the comment, "Might make a good movie." The producers each read the book, of course. Um, in a single night and agreed the next morning that it was the most exciting thing that they have, had ever read and that they wanted to produce a film version. Although they were unsure how it would be accomplished, they purchased the film rights in 1973 before the uh, book's publication for approximately 175000 which is equivalent to about $990,000 in 2018. Talk about chunks of change. Brown claimed that they had read the book twice. They would never have made the film. Oh, sorry. But that had they read the book twice, they would never had made the film because they would realize how difficult it'd be to execute certain sequences. Um, to direct Zanuck and Brown, um, first considered uh, veteran filmmaker, John Sturgis, whose resume included another maritime adventure, the old man in the sea before offering the job to Dick Richards, who directorial debut, the Culpepper uh, Cattle Company, had come out the previous year. They soon grew irritated with Richards' habit of describing the shark as a whale and dropped him from the project, which is actually a fun fact that I had written down. Um, meanwhile, Steven Spielberg very much wanted the job. The 26-year-old had just directed his first theatrical film, The Sugarland Express. 
for Zanuck and Brown. At the end of the uh, at the end of a meeting in their office, Spielberg noticed that their copy of the still unpublished Benchley novel, after reading it, was immediately captivated. He later observed that it was similar to his 1971 television film Duel, in that both deal with these leviathans targeting every man. He also revealed that, um, in the making of Jaws. And honestly, the making of Jaws documentary popped up so much while doing research on this that I, well, yeah, I feel like a, if you haven't seen that and you're a big fan of Jaws, I'd recommend it. Um, It was on the 2012 DVD release that he had directly referenced Duel by repurposing the sound of the truck being destroyed as the death roar of the shark. Um... As Richard's departure, the uh, the producers signed Spielberg to direct in June of 1973 before the release of Sugarland Express. Um, before production began, Spielberg grew reluctant to continue with Jaws in fear of becoming typecast as the truck and shark director. He wanted to move over to 20th Century Fox's Lucky Lady instead, but Universal exercised its right under its contract with the director to veto his departure. Brown helped convince Spielberg to stick with the project, saying that after Jaws, you can make all the films you want. The film was given an estimated budget of $3.5 million and a shooting schedule of 55 days. Principal photography was set to begin in May of 1974. Universal wanted to shoot to finish by the end of June. When the uh, major studio's contract with the Screen Actors Guild was due to expire to avoid any disruptions due to a potential strike. Mm. So, filming, um, they start they started working without a script, without a cast, and without a shark, said <laughs> actor Richard Dreyfuss on the film's troubled production. <laughs> Those seem uh, like but, important uh, aspects that you kind of yeah, need. you would definitely think so, right? Um, Principal photography began on May 2nd, 1944 on the island of Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. Selected after consideration was given to Eastern Long Island, Brown explained later that the production needed a vacation area that was lower middle class enough so that the appearance of the shark would destroy the tourist business. Martha's Vineyard was also chosen because the surrounding ocean had a sandy bottom that never dropped below 35 feet for 12 miles out from shore. Um, which allowed the mechanical sharks to operate while also beyond sight of land. Uh, as Spielberg wanted to film the aquatic sequences relatively close up to resemble what people would see swimming, cinematographer Bill Butler, I uh, thank you, devised new equipment to facilitate marine and underwater shooting, including a rig to keep the camera stable regardless of the tide and sealed submersible uh, in a sealed submersible camera box. Spielberg asked the art department to avoid red in both scenery and wardrobe so that the blood from the attacks would be the only red element and cause a bigger shock, which is accurate. Um, The fishing village of uh, Menemsha, Martha's Vineyard, was the primary location. Initially, the film's producers wanted to train a great white shark, but quickly quickly (laughs) realized that this wasn't possible. So so three full-size pneumatically powered prop sharks, which the film nicknamed Bruce after Spielberg's uh, Spielberg's lawyer, which is also my fun facts, um, Bruce Raymer, 
were made for production. A sea sled shark, a full body prop uh, with its belly missing, uh, that was towed with a 300 foot line, and two platform sharks. One that moved from um, camera left to right with its hidden side exposing an array of pneumatic hoses, and an opposite model with its flank uncovered. <clears throat> Excuse me. The sharks were designed by art director Joe Alvis during the third quarter of 1973. Between November of 73 and April of 74, the sharks were fabricated at Raleigh Harper's motion picture, picture and equipment rental in Sun Valley, California. Their construction involved a team of as many as 40 effects technicians supervised by mechanical effects supervisor Bob Matty, best known for creating the giant squid in 20,000 leagues uh, under the sea. After the sharks were completed, they were trucked to the shooting location. In uh, early July, the platform used to tow the two side view sharks capsized as it was being lowered into the ocean floor, forcing the team of divers to retrieve it. The model required 14 operators to control all the moving parts. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we said, Jaws was the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean, resulting in a troubled shoot and went far over budget. Uh, David Brown said that the budget was 3.5 to 4 million, and the picture would uh, wind up costing 9 million. Ouch. Um, yeah, the effects outlay outlays alone uh, grew to 3 million due to the problems with the mechanical sharks. Disgruntled crew members gave the film nickname gave the nickname Flaws. Um, Spielberg attributed many problems to his perfectionism and his inexperience the former was epitomized by his insistence on shooting at sea with a life-size shark I could have shot the movie in a tank or even in a protected lake somewhere but it would not have looked the same Uh, and as for his lack of experience I was naive about the ocean basically I was pretty naive about mother nature and the hubris of a filmmaker who thinks he can conquer the elements, was foolhardy. But I was too young to know I was being foolhardy when I demanded that we shoot the film in the Atlantic Ocean and not in a North Hollywood tank. Gottlieb said that there was nothing to do except for make the movie, so everyone kept overworking, and then while as a writer he did not have to attend the ocean set every day, once the crewmen returned, they... Um, they arrived, ravaged, sunburnt, windblown, and covered with salt water. <laughs> um, shooting at sea led to many delays, unwanted sailboats drifting into frame, cameras getting soaked, and the orca began to sink with the actors on board. The prop sharks frequently malfunctioned um, owing to a series of problems including bad weather, pneumatic hoses taking on salt water, frames fracturing due to water resistance, corroding skin, and electrolysis from the first water test onward the non-absorbent neoprene foam that made up the shark skin um, soaked up liquid causing the sharks to balloon Um, and the sea sled model frequently got tangled among the forest of seaweed spielberg later calculated that during the 12-hour delay uh, work schedule on average only four hours were actually spent filming fuck (laughs) <laughs> Gottlieb was nearly decapitated by the boat's propellers oh. and Dreyfus was almost imprisoned in the steel cage. The actors were frequently seasick. Shaw also fled to Canada whenever he could due to tax problems 
engaging in binge drinking and developed a grudge against Richard Dreyfuss, which is also in my fun facts, (laughs) (laughs) who was getting rave reviews for his performance in Duddy Kravitz. Editor Verna Fields rarely had material to work with during uh, principal photography, as according to Spielberg, we would shoot five scenes in a day, three in an average, and none on a bad day. (laughs) Fuck, man. Um... So a large model shark is uh, hoisted by a crane as two men watch it. Uh, The mechanical shark attached to a tower. The delays proved beneficial in some regards. The script was refined during production, and the unreliable mechanical sharks forced Spielberg to shoot many scenes so that the shark was only hinted at. For example, for much of the shark hunt, the location um, is indicated by floating yellow barrels. The opening had the shark devouring Chrissy, but it was rewritten so that it was shot with um, back, uh, Backlany being dragged and yanked by cables to simulate an attack. Which that scene right there, it's like any time, like Ace Ventura, you know, Ace Ventura with the, like they referenced shark, uh, Jaws twice in that one when he's like, here's the flake, and then it comes up, and yeah. then when he's being dragged from side to side. Mm. Um, and so, uh, pretty iconic opening there. Um, so, Spielberg also included multiple shots of just the dorsal fin. This forced uh, restraint is widely thought to be added to the film's suspense. As Spielberg put it later, uh, put it years later, the film went from a Japanese Saturday horror matinee flick to a more of a Hitchcock, the less you see, the more you get thriller, which is what I love about this movie. I'm so glad. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, more, like it would have been awesome to see the shark more. But then when you're seeing the shark, you're like, okay, I could definitely... Yeah, I mean, it looks good, but it's definitely the... It's one of those happy accidents where it's like not seeing it ended up making it so much scarier. It's like you kind of know where it is, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah. Well... The POV, it's the same thing with Halloween. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I know that, I believe, didn't they get, in, I think they got inspiration from that as well. Like, it, it works. And I wish that we, as horror films, wouldn't have gotten away from that. Because the less is more is real. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> your mind can do some really crazy things. You don't have to be told everything that's going on. Um. Or do we? Oh, Yeah. So, in another interview, he similarly, uh, similarly, similarly declared, "The shark's not working was a godsend. It made me become more like Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock than like Jack. Ray Her- <laughs> Her- uh, He made him more like Alfred Hitchcock than like Ray Harryhausen. The acting became crucial for making the audience believe in such a big shark." The more fake the shark looked in the water, the more my anxiety told me to heighten the naturalism of the performances. Footage of real sharks was shot by Ron and Valerie uh, Valerie Taylor in the waters off the Dangerous Reef in South Australia. With a short actor in a miniature uh, shark cage uh, to create the illusion that the sharks were enormous, during uh, the Taylor shoot, a great white a great white attack. I can't fucking talk right now. Attacked the boat and cage. The footage of the cage attack was so stunning that Spielberg was eager to incorporate it in the in the film. No one had been in the cage at the time, and the script 
following the novel originally had the shark killing Hooper in it. Um, the storyline was so, uh, consequently altered to have uh, Cooper or Hooper escape the cage, which allowed the footage to be used. Um, as production executive Bill Gilmore put it, the shark down in Australia rewrote the script and saved uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character, which is <laughs> kind of funny because it's in one of my notes that I wrote down. It's like he gets out of the cage and then he just goes and hides yeah. down in the rocks and it's like, oh, I can come out now. Which is, you know, not the worst idea. It is if the other guy dies because you were hiding. <laughs> I suppose, but like what exactly was he going to do? No, I understand that, but at the same time... <laughs> what like you're gonna run out of oxygen at some point like yeah. i would i don't know what i I don't know if i'd rather get eaten by a shark or drown that's a fun game let's not play <laughs> i would swim head first and just like just bite my fucking head off and end it please like <laughs> i the propeller. don't let's just end this now yeah i'd rather not end up like quint please <laughs> i don't want it to prolong um Although principal photography was scheduled to take 55 days, it did not wrap until October 6th of 1974 after 159 days. Spielberg, reflecting on the protracted shoot, stated, I thought my career as a filmmaker was over. I heard rumors that I would never uh, work again because no one had ever taken a film 100 days over schedule. Spielberg, uh, Spielberg himself was not present for the shooting of the final scene in which the shark explodes as he believed that the crew were planning to throw him in the water when the scene was done. <laughs> it has since become a tradition for Spielberg to be absent when the final scene of one of his films is being shot. Afterward, underwater scenes were shot at the MGM water tank in Culver City with stuntman Dick Warlock, which I believe is... Um, I believe Dick Warlock was Michael Myers in Halloween 6? No, that's a Michael Lerner. So, or one of them. Halloween 2. He was in Halloween say that 3. name sounds incredibly familiar. Yeah, Dick Warlock. That's the Warlock. He was, he, yeah, Dick Warlock was Michael Myers in 1980 in, in Halloween 2. I don't know where I'm at. Um... So, and then Frank James Sparks' standards for Dreyfus in the scenes where the shark attacks the cage, as well as near Santa, uh, Santa Catalina Island, California, Fields, who had completed a rough cut of the first two-thirds of the film up until the shark hunt, finished the editing and reworked some of the material. According to Zanuck, um, she actually came in and reconstructed some of the scenes that Stephen had constructed for comedy and made them terrifying. And some of the scenes he shot to be terrifying and made them into comedy scenes. The boat used for the orca was brought to Los Angeles so the sound effects team could record uh, sounds for both the ship and the underwater scenes. Um, God damn it. I think this is the first time that my notes have blown like a quarter of my fun fact list. Um, <laughs> two scenes were altered following test screenings. As the audience screams had covered up um, Scheider's bigger boat one-liner... Um, Brody's reaction after the shark jumps uh, behind him was extended and the volume of the line was raised. Spielberg also decided that he was um, greedy for one more scream and reshot the scene in which Hooper discovers Ben Gardner's body using $3,000 of his own money after Universal refused to pay for the reshoot, which I wrote in my notes was the jump scare that got me. Hmm. 
when the head pops in the boat. I'm like, ah, fuck, I forgot you were coming there. <laughs> um, so the underwater scene was shot in Field's swimming pool. This is the same place that they did Creature. Is it? Yeah, they talk a lot. Of, I believe they talked about uh, Field's swimming. Oh, no, Field's is... Oh my God, Fields! It, I, I'm drawing a blank. Fields is somebody that was working on the movie, so the swimming pool. But I think that they, um, Culver, uh, Culver. Oh my goodness, I just lost my place. Yeah, in Culver, where they like the Culver pools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Culver City. I think the MGM studio. I think that's where they did Creature was there. But Fields, I think, was somebody that was working on the boat, but I actually lost. Uh, the editor, I believe, is who that was. Um, using a life-cast latex model of Craig Kingsbury's head attached to a fake body, which was placed in the wrecked boat's hole, to simulate the murky waters of Martha's Vineyard, powdered milk was poured into the pool, which was then covered with a tarp. Hmm. Well, cheese and rice. Right. All right. So um, those were the notes that I had for all that. Um, that was a lot of um, filming there. So, I mean, well, we could talk... 150-some-odd days. That uh, <laughs> takes up a lot of notes. Um, so there's a little bit more here that we can talk about. Um, I'm not going to go into it heavily, but John Williams composed the uh, film score which earned him an Academy Award and then was later ranked as the sixth greatest score by the American Film Institute. The main shark theme, a simple alternate padding, uh, pattern of two notes, uh, variously identified as E and F, or F and F sharp, became a classic piece of suspense music synonymous with approaching danger, which is funny too because my daughter loves sharks. And so like, if we're in a swimming pool, she'll be like, dun <laughs> get get out well it's here. one of those things that you we I and mean, we've talked about it before in different well, classic movies but it's one of those things that you know whether you've seen jaws or not mm-hmm. like the yeah like yeah as a slasher thing like the dunna, dunna, that's just or a thing that you the, know like the yeah. like the little knife sound in halloween oh yeah mm-hmm. um so we'll kind of gloss over this Marketing, Universal spent about $1.8 million in marketing with Jaws and including an unprecedented $700,000 on national television spot advertising. Uh, They media blitzed the shit out of that. It received a lot of accolades, um, sequels. (laughs) Jaws spawned three sequels to uh, declining critical favor in commercial performance. Their combined domestic grosses amount barely to half of the first films. It's not good. Um, there's a lot more than we can cover. Like mm. I didn't, like we didn't up cut just not even talking about the movie after. <laughs> like, there's a lot to talk about. Well, I would say that and if you want to get, unless there's something that's holy crap must be mentioned, uh, it's no. worth watching that documentary if you want to yeah. get. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's lots of stuff to talk about, like home media is the legacy of Jaws, like this, the things yeah, that came from. Yeah, we don't need to from, get into that. Yeah, the accolades, critical receptions, the fact. This was one, there's a thing in here where this, it's a, a big chunk of it written scholarly criticisms. Hmm. Um, and it said that Jaws had received attention from ac- academic critics 
Stephen Heath relates the film's ideological meanings to the then-recent uh, Watergate scandal. He argues that Brody represents the white middle class. There is simply not a black... Oh, no, there is not a single black person in the movie, in the, and very quickly, not a single woman in the film outside of the mom and the wife. It's very male-dominant in that. Um, it says, who, um, who restores public order with an ordinary guy kind of heroism born out of fear and decency yet heath moves beyond ideological content analyzing to examine jaws as a signal signal a single signal example of the film as an industrial product that sells on the basis of the pleasure of cinema thus yielding the perpetuation of the industry which is part of the meaning of jaws to be the most profitable movie there is a big old section talking about different things about the analysis of the movie. And if you guys are interested in that, all you have to do is look up Jaws. It's it's yeah. not hard to find. Um, so we'll dive into our fun facts, which I have pre-selected. Mm-hmm. So, and some of them you pre-said because they were yep. in your uh, notes there. Yeah. So several decades after the film's release... Lee Fierro, who played Mrs. Kittner, walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed that the menu had an Alex Kittner sandwich. She commented that she had played his mother so many years ago, the owner of the restaurant ran out to meet her, and he was none other than Jeffrey Voorhees, who played her son Alex. They had not seen each other since the original movie was shot. Wow, that's cool. Isn't that crazy? Um... According to director Steven Spielberg, the prop arm looked too fake in the scene where Chrissy's remains are discovered. So instead, they buried a female crew member in the sand with only her arm exposed. Hmm. Um, so uh, Rob Scheider, or sorry, Roy Scheider stated in an interview that in the scene where um, Lee Fierro, Mrs. Kittner, smacks him in the face, she was actually smacking him. Apparently, the actress could not fake a slap so the 17 takes were some of the most painful of his career. <laughs> also stating that in several interviews that one of the takes when she slapped him, his glasses fell off. So she smacked the glasses right off his face. <laughs> um, director Steven Spielberg said that when he first read the novel, he found himself rooting for the shark because the human characters are so unlikable. Um, I already mentioned this. Um, the three mechanical Bruces were made for specific functions, and they cost about $250,000 a piece. Um, the, the, tension, the good tension on the set between Hooper and Quint was real. Over 67 million people in the U.S. went to see this film when it was initially released in 1975, making it the first summer blockbuster. Um, according to writer Carl Gottlieb, the line, you're going to need a bigger boat, was not scripted, but was ad-libbed. Nice. Um, so it said, according to the Making of Jaws, the Making of Jaws documentary, the shooting star that appears during the night scene where Brody loads his revolver was real and not an optical effect. Um, so uh, I got a couple here that are a little bit longer, but they're interesting nonetheless. According to Steven Spielberg in the DVD making of documentary, his original idea for introducing Quint was to have him in the local movie theater watching Moby Dick, starring Gregory Peck. Quint was to be sitting at the back of the theater laughing so loudly at this absurd special effects that 
um, of the whale that he drove the other viewers to exit the theater. Eventually, Quint would be discovered sitting by himself. Spielberg said that the only thing that stopped him from using that scene was Gregory Peck, who had held um, part of the rights to that movie. When Spielberg approached him for permission to use the footage, Peck turned him down, not because he thought it was a bad idea to use the film that way, but because Peck did not like his performance in Moby Dick and did not want to see the film again. <laughs> and so, Fair enough. Um, this is kind of a downer one. So, Though respected as an actor, Robert Shaw's trouble with alcohol was a frequent source of tension during filming. In later interviews, Roy Scheider described his co-star as a perfect gentleman when he was sober. All he needed was one drink, and then he turned into a competitive son of a bitch. Mm. According to Carl Gottlieb's book, The Jaws Log, um, Shaw was having a drink between takes at one point, which he announced, I wish I could quit drinking. Much to the surprise and horror of the crew, Richard Dreyfuss simply grabbed Shaw's glass and tossed it into the ocean. When it came to time to shoot the infamous... Um, USS Indianapolis scene, Shaw attempted to do the monologue while intoxicated as it called for the men to be drinking late at night. Nothing in the take could be used. A remorseful Shaw called Steven Spielberg uh, late that night and asked if he could have another try. The, uh, the next day of shooting, Shaw's electrical or electrifying performance was done in one take. Um... Uh, composer John Williams conducted the orchestra during the 1976 Academy Awards, so when it was announced that he had won the Oscar for Best Score, he had to run up to the podium, accept his Oscar, and then run back down to continue conducting the orchestra. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cool. Um, so I already kind of uh, talked about this one, um, about Steven Spielberg not being the original director, um, that it was actually Dick Richards, which is hilarious. Um, name was fired after the meeting producers. Uh, it was stated that he, Oh, the producer said that they were not making Moby Dick and that they kept trying, he kept trying to switch it to a shark opposed to a, or a, a whale instead of a shark. Um, we're not making Moby Dick, Dick. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> um, during pre, this is the last one during pre-production. And this one actually is kind of funny because I, I kind of view it like with the kind of Benny Hill, caper music in the background with three little yeah three little caricatures of these guys so during pre-production director steven spielberg accompanied by friends martin scorsese george lucas and john milius visited the effect shop where bruce the shark was being constructed Lucas stuck his head in the mouth to see how, um, in the shark's mouth to see how it worked. Uh, so George Lucas stuck his head in the shark of the mouth to see how it worked. And as a joke, Milius and uh, Spielberg snuck to the controls and made the jaw clamp around, uh, clamp shut on George Lucas's head. <laughs> Unfortunately, rather than, uh, rather prophetically, considering the later technical issues that the production would suffer, the shark malfunctioned. And Lucas got stuck in the mouth of the shark. <laughs> when Spielberg and Milius were finally able to free him, the three men run—they uh, ran out of the workshop, afraid of the damage, major, uh, <laughs> afraid of they had done major damage to the creature. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I could just—I could just picture them, little yeah, cartoon yeah, characters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that—that's um, the fun facts. Those were fun. Those were fun. So let's go ahead and breeze through the movie here. Mm-hmm. So, the movie starts out with the iconic score, underwater shot, leading up to, you know, a classic beach party. 
um, where, you know, you got a couple of people kind of making googly eyes at each other. And um, she runs off, skinny dips. Um, the guy's chasing her, and it's hilarious because he gets out there, and he's so drunk, he's like, I'm drunk, and he's trying to take his clothes off to go out there with her, and he can't, and he falls down and passes out on the beach. Mm-hmm. And that saved his life because yep. she gets um, she gets the drag back and forth. Um, which is, uh, as we talked about earlier, kind of a, an iconic scene. Yeah, and it's brutal too. I mean, that's the other thing. Is like I, again, having only seen bits and pieces of this, it, it surprised me how much of a horror movie this really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it definitely thrills. Um, so as you would do when you have a shark attack, you would mm-hmm. try to close the beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mayor isn't about it. He's like, listen, motherfucker, this, we, we need the money. We're a beach town. We're a beach town and we need the money to keep it going. And, and he doesn't so, have the foresight to go, you know, if a bunch of people are here and someone dies, that closes us down for good. Now <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he, uh, it's not just a week. It's like forever. Well, and he doesn't really get the hint either until later on when he, um, his kid was on the beach mm-hmm. or says that and he looks all shaken up and it's like, dude, and I, it was one of the notes and I'll kind of talk about it now. Like from a business standpoint, I get where he's coming from. I really sure. do. But being crazy stubborn at the beach, like the thing that he cares more, like he cares obviously about the business, but then when He's more worried about them cleaning the graffiti off of the sign. Yeah. When they're talking about that, like that's where his like priorities are. And it's like, I get it. Like as a manager, you have to manage and sometimes you have to be that asshole, but not when lives are at risk. You know what I mean? So like just him being so stubborn about it, it's like, I get it, bud. But at the same time, you're wrong. (laughs) I'm going to show you how you're wrong. (laughs) And so... You know, we get our we get our second kill of the movie. Everyone's out on the beach, and Brody's out. You know, keeping an eye, kind of watching. Yeah, you had the false, the first false scare where, you know, here's the screaming, and then he perks up, and then the girl gets lifted out of the water, and this is where poor Alex Kittner meets his demise. Um, just gets gets fucking shredded. Yeah, and it's just well, like, it was surprising oh. to see a kid get eaten by the shark like i was watching yeah. it going they're not gonna have a kid get eaten it's no there's you no know, it's spielberg for crying out loud he loves mm-hmm. kids yeah like, but no. even if you don't <laughs> like kids you're not gonna brutally murder one in a movie yeah. <laughs> you know like that's that's a taboo um so you know the kid dies it gets all bad um they kind of have a town meeting they're all sitting in there and you know Kind of like a South Park episode, we're like rabble, 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 <laughs> and then you hear just the nails on the chalkboard, and I'm like, okay. It's Another quick. one of those classic scenes that mm-hmm. is imitated and there's mocked. a right, and he there's like a picture of a shark, a caricature yeah. of a shark drawn on the fucking chalkboard. I assume um, he did that. Yeah, I, I just imagine him sitting there fucking drawing it out before he waits, and he's like, all right, we're done. <laughs> right i want and everyone to see my cool picture yeah um so they're like you know well the, mrs kittner puts out a reward three thousand dollars for anybody that killed a shark hmm. 
Um, and Quint's sitting there and he's like, I'll do it for 10,000. And you're like, eh, we get it. You're going to get a bunch of people that are going to go out there and do stupid shit. Someone else Which is probably going to get hurt. Yes, they Which do. Which they do. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, say what you will about Quint, but he is the professional. Yeah. He's a um, bit eccentric, but he knows yeah. what he's doing. His right. uh, little shack is more than proof. Yeah. He has enough shark jaws up there to <laughs> That's true. line his entire wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brody's house is one of my favorite houses ever just because that house huh i'd take that house well and the thing i love is i I like i love the windows and like like there's no it's just window window like Mm. like the view is perfect and i'm like i could definitely sit in that room and just watch the water like yeah but for someone who inexplicably seems to hate the water which they never i don't think they ever really get into not really. Mm. He does hate the water, but yeah, you're the chief of a island. <laughs> yeah, and you're living on the water. It's like you're mm-hmm. doing this test of wills where you wake up every morning having to see your most hated oh, thing. Oh, I got this today. <laughs> well, that's that, like that's the catch twenty two of my life. Like, I want some like I'd love to someday be able to retire and live in a house like that on the water. But mm-hmm. the other part of me wants to live in a house like that but in the in like the woods and the mountains like either way away from people sure. but like i like i <laughs> yeah well i don't want to be that eccentric guy i'd be like oh there goes you know <laughs> mr d out there fucking crazy pants <laughs> um stay off of my lawn uh, there's no one there honey <laughs> um so the fishermen they go out to try to uh, catch the shark um the, so you have these guys on a dock trying to mm-hmm. catch it and the dock gets pulled into the water and like they got they got lucky because that was, shark was coming if we did a scorecard for this they would be my most wanted to die like they were just so dumb yeah. it's just, out of all the stupid things people do in this movie to try and catch the shark air quotes let's, mm-hmm. like, let's catch a shark from land Yeah. good luck trying to reel that fucker in they don't. I know they don't realize it's a six thousand pound. Yeah, but still, even if footer. it's just a normal ass shark, like that ten gonna, footer that they catch. Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna reel it in with a freaking fishing pole and fistful of dreams. <laughs> right. So um, they end up doing an autopsy. Um, they do an autopsy on Chrissy to determine that you know it wasn't a boating accident that she was indeed killed by a shark. Mm-hmm. Um, the fishermen, they go out, they ca- and they, they catch a shark, but what they catch is a tiger shark, um, which is a lot smaller than what it is that they're looking for. And that Hooper isn't convinced, but the mayor said no to a half-assed <laughs> autopsy and they didn't want to do it on the dock where they're going to cut it out because and th- it is fair because it's like if a little boy or part of a little boy drops out of that thing onto the dock, nobody wants to see that. No. No. But I mean, and there's there's alternatives. Like you can do what they ended up doing, which is take the shark somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. That that's the only part that would be, probably be my dumbest moment. I don't know why we're doing a score or I'm doing a scorecard when we're not doing a scorecard. But it's like right. But it, obviously, it, I don't need to gut the shark right in front of every damn buddy. No, like you don't. let's move it somewhere. It's it not, can be yeah. moved. There, you don't have people standing there being like, "Show us what's inside." Yeah. You know, I demand it. 
Um, Though you'd think they would. Like, just (laughs) for safety, but they're all, like, yucking it up, like, oh, this is funny, and two people are dead, and here's the shark that did it. Let's take a picture. (laughs) It's like... "Hmm." What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, So, they end up... Um, they're going out. They're looking, they're looking for the shark, I believe. Um, and this is where the jump scare. Hooper goes in the water, and he's. They see a boat kind of overturned, or no? There's a hole in the hole. Um, hole in and the that's, hole. <laughs> hole in the hole. And you know, Butterfingers Hooper has the shot, the shark tooth mm-hmm. in his hand, which is the size of this whiskey glass right here. Like it, they say a shot glass, but let's be real. That thing is like a fucking giant ass Dorito. Um, and they're, you know, looking at the boat and he gets the jump scare, but drops his knife, drops the flashlight, drops the shark tooth. And then obviously, you know, it happens later when they're going to try to poison the shark Mm-hmm. By stabbing it in the mouth, and of course he drops, you know, his device that's got the the poison in it and the the big ass needle. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Fourth of July is is here, uh, and it came quick, and you just have ferry loads and ferry loads of people just being dropped off, and it's like, good goddamn, um, boats are patrolling the waters to try to keep it safe. Um, it's a classic misdirect where they, you know, they're looking off to the right to watch for the shark, and then the shark is swimming to the left. And you know, <laughs> since they're not focused, they don't see the fin. It's like the Scooby Doo, like everyone's looking here, and the monster just goes, ee, ee, yeah, behind. <laughs> but them. At, the, at the same time, I don't know if that was the shark or if that was the boys the, playing yeah, the, the prank. Yeah, the kids. Yeah, um, and so. The people start to see it and they panic. You know, you got like everyone's kind of making their way out and they're actually grabbing kids and not just leaving them. But then you see people nice. getting, yeah. They, but you see like old people on the ground getting trampled and you're like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, I know when it comes down to it, you got to look out for yourself. But like, let's be honest, you pick up an old lady. Come on. <laughs> um, complete jerks. Yeah. <laughs> turns out that there are kids with a fake fin and snorkels but a shark is spotted in what they called the pond which a shark should not ever be able to get into an actual pond but well it's um, like an an outlet mini lake thing that's like attached to the mm -hmm. regular ocean yeah it's not quite as deep i guess Mm -hmm. yeah could you imagine a 25 foot shark in something like that it's like the like the back section of rimrock where the little bridge is Mm -hmm. and you're like no, thank Takes you. up half the freaking thing. Yeah. Here. Um. So they get the kids out of the water, little fuckers, and um, there's some kids sitting on a boat in the pond, and then the guy comes, you know, an older guy comes rowing up, and he's like, you know, you guys get out of here. What you doing? Yeah. Shark comes up behind, flips the boat, bites mm-hmm. his fucking leg off. He gets it, and then you just see the bo- the look on the boy's face, which, which is sheer terror. Yeah, the size of a shark that big swimming right at you. He's lucky he didn't get bit up right then and there. Yeah. Um. So gets bit, pulled underwater. You're like, fuck, that's brutal. Um. 
So they, they, they set out on the Orca to go and find, um, to go and find, uh, Bruce, if you will. Um, Quint singing and just talking shit. Like he's like, he keeps doing these like dad joke one-liners where he's just basically poking and prodding. And I wish I would have taken notes of some of the things that he had said, but it's just like, he's one of those guys who's like, you know, wrecked him, damn near killed him. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you're not funny guy. <laughs> you know, just doing all stupid. those sea shanties and wacky horse shit. It's like, like three exactly. people are dead or two are dead. And one was bit up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one thing I do like about Quint's boat, he does have quite the fishing rig set up. So he's got a chair, mm-hmm. he gets all set up and the, like he's straps himself in cause he's, you know, going for the, the big haul here. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you know, hooking himself to the reel. Like, I'm like, this guy's got it, got it set up and ready to go. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the standard, like if you're hunting or fishing big, you know, fish, so, you know, swordfish to like, yeah. some big old 900 pound tunas you're yeah, gonna lose game that battle fish nine that you're times putting on your wall and shit that's the mm-hmm. kind of rig you want to have yep that'd be awesome so i have swear to god swear um, to me swear to me uh brady starts to chum the waters uh wants a break but hooper is driving the boat so he's like he's like can't somebody else do it uh he's would be like pretty freaking gross um keeps i'm gonna lose my shit with these dogs um so but about bob lost my place um so you know the line pops up you're gonna need a bigger boat and they kind of you know disclose that jaws is a a six thousand pound 25 footer 23 25 footer which bigger than the boat basically (laughs) like like, what are you going to do when you pull that thing up? It's not going to yeah. fit on the boat. Um, yeah. And I was looking it up during the course of watching this um, to see how big Jaws is in mm. comparison to a Megalodon. And it's about half the size of what a Megalodon is. Eesh. Yeah. I don't want to see either of those things if I ever go swimming again. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is I, I actually watched the Meg with my daughter mm-hmm. and as much as you'd be like, wow, this is bad. I'm like, it's not Jaws too bad, but it's, um, you know, um, the Meg and the 47 meters down movies, mm-hmm. like they're actually pretty decent mm-hmm. for being shark movies. Um, so they're, um, staying out you know you're like oh we're heading back right they're like no you're, we're staying out so they're sitting there kind of one up in each other going back and forth about um the wounds that they have and um quint drops a bomb uh for the lack of a better word um <laughs> about his <laughs> about how um he was on the uss indianapolis that delivered the um bomb to um where it needed to be to, I believe for Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Um, and that story is intense and uh, spoiler alert. It's, uh, it actually happened. That was a real story. Um, <laughs> at least from the notes I had gathered about grizzly real life shark attacks. Um, so 
they're they're drinking and they're singing and they're banging on the the table and just having a good old time and uh, so all of a sudden the shark starts to attack the boat <laughs> that's this was probably the biggest horror movie moment for me it was like a michael myers trying to get in the house mm-hmm. kind of thing where it's just deliberately smashing against the boat trying to break it and sink it yeah uh, it, it's insane um yeah, so they're you know they're sitting there they're, um, sorry I'm trying to text my wife. So, yeah, like it's pushing in the boat. And the thing yeah. that I didn't understand about this movie, that was kind of crazy to me, is how much Jaws goes like this, like goes forward and then backs up, like it's a goddamn boat. <laughs> I've never seen a I've never seen a shark go in reverse. And I don't know if they can. I'm I almost positive they can't, but I don't know. I feel like they can only swim forward, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um So um Brody goes to radio the course uh, the coast guard, but Quint busts up the radio with a bat cuz he's a psychopath. Yeah. Um, it's mine. One, yeah, one of the things, and that's just a fucking pride thing, man. It's like, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I know it's one thing to be prideful, but let's uh, let's just try to get out of here alive. Um, the thing about this movie that does kind of throw me off a tad is the score. And I had written down that it's kind of drastic in the change, how it goes from light and adventurous to menacing. Well, like, there's the a lot that, of Indiana Jonesy-esque music yeah, it, going it, on. It, there. Very, it really Spielberged a couple times with that yes. jovial music, and it was like, wait a sec, this is like, not... If it was yeah. anybody but Spielberg, I would say it was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you get the benefit of the does. doubt because you are who you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it kind of takes you out of the moment a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, attaching the boat... Um, Attaching the lions to the boat was a really bad idea. It seemed like a really bad idea, and it was. Um, so yeah. the things that they're called cleats, where they're wrapping the mm-hmm. um, the lines around, and I know they don't know what they're dealing. Well, yeah, they said it was a twenty five foot shark, but yeah. they still tried to attach it to the cleats of the boat. Not a smart idea there either. Well, no, and they. I mean. They're throwing as much as they can at it while they can, and they've shot it a couple times and like harpooned Stabbing it a couple it in times, the head, stabbed yeah. it and shit. Like it's not going down. Mm-hmm. So you would think that it wouldn't still be strong enough to rip apart your boat, but yeah, but it's it also tw- it's also like a three ton shark. Yeah, <laughs> that... it's going to take more than a few paper cuts to take it down. Yeah, it's like trying to shoot a black bear with a nine millimeter that's running at you. That's not going to do anything but piss it <laughs> off. Yeah, it was scary as fuck. Um, so this entire time, I'm like, oh my god, they're not getting... I'm like, somebody grab a knife and cut the fucking lines. And as soon as I'm thinking that, um, Quint goes in and grabs a machete and comes back. And then, of course, the cleats get ripped out anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, where's the, you guys don't have knives on your on your belts? Like, what are you right. doing? Um, so they put, they put Hooper in a cage. They drop him in the water to try to euthanize Bruce. Um, it doesn't work. That shark just mangles the cage. Um, it's really crazy how much of this movie is crammed into the last 10 minutes. 
Yeah, I would say like the most infamous things about it are within that last like half hour. Yeah, the last thirty minutes of that of that movie, or it's like that's it. I mean, you have a lot of build up leading up to that, but like mm-hmm. the like the last ten minutes, jumps Jaws, uh, Jaws jumps up on the boat, bites Quint in half. You know, that's a big old thing. Brody throws an air tank in the mouth when he comes at the side. Like, mm-hmm. there's just a whole lot going on. Um, and then you get the kind of the iconic scene where Brody's hanging on to the mast of a sinking ship with the mm-hmm. rifle. Be like, come on, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, well, it, it definitely helps it be more effective. I mean, it's it is kind of a slow burn, but by the time you get to the end it's so it's so action packed you're like oh my god it was just it was worth the journey and I, the last note that i wrote i was like uh um i think hooper is still hiding on the water while brody's fighting to survive <laughs> like i get it you got to look out for yourself but i mean at the same time like justin granted we've known each other for many years mm-hmm. i would like to think if somehow we ended up on a boat trying to fight hopefully a, we never will no, no no i mean it depends on the situation mm-hmm. fighting a shark no <laughs> pleasure cruise probably not but who knows it's not likely um if you were trying to survive against a shark you know the whole fight or flight thing goes i know that you would not try to save me thank you but i would i would do my damnedest <laughs> to try to save you but that's just who i am i'm a hero I'm, a, right. I'm just a man with yeah. a man's courage. Uh-huh. That's, that's <laughs> what heroes do. That's what heroes do, you <laughs> yeah. know? And I... I, but I don't once know if you I... destroyed the shark with the tank, I would swim up to you and say, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> You're like, that, I, you may have popped it, but I was poking at it from underneath. Yeah, like... <laughs> You didn't see it, but it was happening. Like, it yeah. was... That was team effort, man. I was stuck in a cage... <laughs> i just got out of the cage wasn't that scary oh, oh my god yeah and that like oh man that cage does just get mangled it's brutal yeah um well it's like no shark can destroy it well this shark just goes yeah, done this is half a megalodon dude it's gonna destroy it uh so that's basically a fucking breeze through of jaws like that the production notes went so long and i was like oh man this is gonna be a long episode but no we pulled it through we spent almost professionals yeah as it's like we haven't been doing this for 63 episodes Hmm. (laughs) um yeah but that's that's uh that's jaws in a in a nicely wrapped bow I enjoyed it. You know, it's, I, do. It's, I love this movie. I, I really feel do. shame on me for having waited this long in my life to have seen it you know, yeah. in fall. But, and I've owned it forever. When right. I was a young, I bought a bunch of classic movies because mm-hmm. it was like, these are the movies you have to see before you die and blah, blah, blah. And so I've owned it forever. I watched my disc for the first time in, you know, 20 years. Yeah. But I'm glad I finally did. Yeah, dude, I I would like to watch the documentary on this, but God. you can find it. Oh, dude, I mean, it took me five hours to watch this movie yesterday, dude. It's like there's no way like, trying to sit down and watch a documentary. But that's also just because like I've seen this movie, so I didn't have to like really sit down and pay attention. I was able to kind of help out with the kid and shit like that. Um, but yeah, that um, shut up. 
my God, I don't know if you can hear my wife at the door. She's like, wrap Mm-mm. it up. I'm like, I'm <laughs> fucking wrap you up in a fucking carpet. <laughs> um, well, that got dark. Yeah, it got real, real dark. Hold me close, Randy. Am. It's getting dark. Uh, yeah, that's Jaws. We <laughs> Sorry it's late. Um, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, we think we know what the bonus episode is going to be. Um, have you committed or are you going to leave nah, us in the we'll, lurch we'll do it we'll do it um i had a real hard time coming up with an episode related to this movie that we could both get behind mm-hmm. um and i and i guess the route that we're going i still could have talked about other shark movies and comparisons but hell who knows maybe someday we'll we'll Take a dive 47 meters down. Who knows? We'll see what happens. It looks but interesting. I it's not bad. It it's surprisingly day. not bad. Um, it's way better than I expected. Um, but we're going to talk about grisly real-life shark attacks. I mean, it's not. It's horrific, and it's definitely gory, so it's 100% in our wheelhouse. So mm-hmm. um, kind of similar to our true tales of exorcisms and all that kind of stuff. We're going to try this out. Yeah. Um, we want to thank those that did reach out um, with uh, suggestions. Definitely. It's always appreciated. It really yep. is. Um, but we are going to get out of here because I'm being instructed to wrap it up. Um, so and I got food waiting. Yes, you do. Um, so we'll get out of here. Um, you can reach us on the social medias, uh, Pod and Gore Podcast. We're on Facebook. we got a page. we got a group. Um, we post memes on the page and... People talk about what movies they're watching in the group. It's a good time. So if yeah. you feel like joining, all we do is ask that you fill out the the little thing to let us know that you're you're not going to spam a bunch of money making videos and other BS that tr- internet trolls try to do or bots. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at gore underscore pod. You can email us at pod and gore at gmail We are on the Slasher app. We are over two thousand friends on the Slasher app. It Damn. is quite. It's quite a fun place to be. We, I just, I'm really busy and bad at social media and just everything in general. So, mm-hmm. um, you can find us on there. Hit us up. We're, there's no shortages of a ways to talk to us, and we definitely want to talk to you guys. So, yeah. reach out. Hit me mm-hmm. up. Hit up Justin. Word. Let's bullshit a little bit. Um, we would appreciate it if you haven't already. If you can like, rate, review, spread the word, share with your friends, families, loved ones, tie somebody to a chair, peel their eyes open and make them listen. Yeah. The eyes might not be necessary, but you can clockwork, clockwork. pod and gore. Yeah. yeah. Clockwork them. Um, just kind of get it out there. Um, it's always appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm starting to ramble. You got anything you want to get on before we get out? No, just, uh, thanks for listening and we will see you next time with some real life shark attacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. I've been Brandon. And I've been Justin. And we'll see you next week with shark attacks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.